0: Our Bible reading this morning is from the book of Nehemiah chapter eight, beginning at verse one, and can be found on page 492 in the church Bibles. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon, as he faced the square before the Watergate in the presence of the men, women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on the high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him, on his right, stood Matthihai, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. And on his left were Pedai, Mishael, Malachi, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshalam. Ezra opened the book all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites Jeshua, Barney, Shebaya, Jamin, Akab, Shabethi, Hadiah, Maseik, Helita, Isaiah, Josbad, Hanan, and Pel- Pelai instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites were instructing the people, said to them, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength." The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a sacred day, do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, you to God.
1: Thank you, Delia. Well done for all those difficult names. We're all in awe of your ability to get through those. Well done. Our world today faces levels of disruption that have seldom been seen, don't they? The coronavirus has reminded us all of our fragility, that we're not as in control of the universe as we thought we were and that we need each other more than we thought we did. And now as we find ourselves in this period of major reorientation and with many uncertainties still ahead, how can God's people find some spiritual renewal in these times and where could we find the resources that we need to, bra- to face this brave new world that we're entering? Today is Bible Sunday and an opportunity to reflect on these questions as we gather around the Bible because we should never underestimate the power of the Bible. Today we're going to focus on this particular story of Nehemiah in uh, the Old Testament and we're going to see how Israel were in a period of major disruption and they gathered around God's word enabled that so that they were able to move forwards so let's just think a bit about the backstory for Ezra and Nehemiah it's the fifth century BC and the Israelites have recently been through a terrible and traumatic experience called exile a century or so ago the Babylonians this great superpower of the time had come and destroyed Jerusalem And carried away most of the inhabitants. The people had had to leave behind all that was normal. Their lives, their families, their possessions, their homes. Everything was swept away so that by the rivers of Babylon, they sat down and wept. Exile in Babylon had proved an incredibly tough experience. But then fast forward 70 years and the Persians take over from the Babylonians... And the Persians decide that they're going to send the exiles back home. So in several waves, they arrive back in Israel. And they began to rebuild their old lives. But if the exile was tough, then getting back to the new normal with so much uncertainty proves even harder. The initial crisis was tough enough, but the ongoing slog to make it through to get back to normal was even harder does that sound familiar isn't that where we are at this point we've had all of that initial response and now we've just got to keep on going but a new leader turns up for the people in Jerusalem called Nehemiah and he mobilizes them into action and they rebuild the city walls The people begin to feel secure again. Nehemiah says, Take heart. With God on our side, the rubble can be raw material and the ruin can be made to feel like home. There is hope. With the physical fabric rebuilt, this is where we get to in this passage that we're looking at today. And a new key character steps onto the stage. Ezra has also returned to Jerusalem And he's been there since before Nehemiah arrived and now he's working with Nehemiah. And he has a different skill set. Nehemiah is the practical building guy, the practical leader. Ezra is the Bible teacher and the person who sees what the people need for the future. It's Nehemiah 8 and it's Ezra who takes the lead. As God's people regather around his word. So if you want to look at that passage, the Bibles are in the back of your seats. It's page 492, Ezra, uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, as Ezra opens the word of God. And this passage shows us three ways in which the Bible enables spiritual renewal. And the first is that the Bible is a divine watering hole. If you've ever been to Africa and to the game parks in Africa, they build the hotels and the camps next to the water holes because that's what attracts the animals to come together. In these vast, wide, open spaces, wherever there's water, that's where the animals congregate because they need to be refreshed. And sometimes our souls are thirsty and we need to be refreshed. And the Bible is a place that's just like... A divine watering hole. And in this passage we see that the Bible is for all people. This passage takes place when Israel are really thirsty and they're gathered together in an open square. It doesn't happen in the temple because only the Jewish men were allowed into the temple. This passage happens in an open square so that the women can gather with the men. And it says all those who are able to understand, so right down to children eight, nine, or ten, they were there as well, listening to the word being read. It happens in a public space with lots of diversity gathered together because God's word is for all of God's people. But God's word is also for all of humanity. Too often we think that the Bible's just for us or even it's just for those Holy people who stand up the front, or for the academic people who study it in colleges and universities. But the Bible's for everyone. It is the divine watering hole that gives meaning and strength and hope to thirsty souls. It's a source of wisdom for all God's, for all humanity as well as all God's people. And that's the point of us doing our Thought for the Day videos. Each day after 8 o'clock, if you can join up on Facebook or Twitter or even Instagram, you'll find one of our Thought for the Day videos because we want God's Word to be out there, accessible to everybody. And you can retweet those or repost those so that they get to more people. And then God's Word will be available for everybody. Sharing God's word starts with us centering our lives on God's word. Do you remember last week we talked about being witnesses and having evidence that God is at work in our lives? And so I brought this little pile of Bibles along today, uh, not to just to show you, not to boast or anything, but just to show you, this is my witness evidence. All of these I've read through from one, from the start to the finish and Most of them I've read through more than once from start to finish. Um, This was my first one that I had uh, at university. And this was just after the New International Version had been translated and published. That was my first one. And then uh, this one was an application insight Bible because I thought I needed to know a bit more. And there are good resources, Bibles that give you a bit more information about what you're reading. So you can find one of those. And find out a bit more and then I got to uh, the place where I did my curacy and they had the new international version so this was the one that I used um, through college and uh, at university and then when I became um, a priest they gave me one of these at the Winchester Diocese they used this version so I had that one and got through that this is one that is slightly different it's called the uh, ESV, the English Standard Version, and I thought, well, I need to read another version just to get another insight. This one's 2017, 2018, 2019 was that one. And this is my little travel one that I got through one year. And that's got a zip on it, which is very useful on a Bible to make sure that you can keep it zipped up if you're traveling. That's my evidence that the Bible is important to me. As Adam said at the beginning, sometimes Bibles just get left on shelves to gather dust. Let's not be a church where we let that happen. Let's be a church where we have evidence that the Bible's in our lives. So the Bible is a divine watering hole that we all need to go to for our thirsty souls. And then the, div- the Bible is a larger story that gives us hope. An aid worker was working in the Middle East with refugees. And she described an occasion when a consignment of clothes arrived. And she took the clothes down to the warehouse. And she also had some Bibles in Arabic and Farsi. And she put those beside the piles of clothes. And then the warehouse doors opened. And the word got around. And suddenly there was a stampede. Because the refugees had heard that there were Bibles on offer. In the warehouse. The refugees knew that when life is tough and fragile, the Bible is a source of hope because the Bible makes sense of us. Imagine that scene back in Nehemiah chapter 8. The people of Israel are confused about who God is and where He is and why they've had to go through this whole experience of exile. But as they hear his word, their lives get put into this bigger story. God's word reminds us that we've been rescued just as Israel were rescued. They were brought out from being slaves. They were made a covenant with on the mountain and then they were looked after in the wilderness. God describes Israel as his precious, precious, precious possession, his precious treasure in Exodus chapter 19 and the people hear that and they know that this story is their story and their story makes sense because of this story. We may experience some chaos at the moment. We may may be in the middle of a period of great pain but God's promises will not fail and we have an author with a bigger story and our story is part of that story At the same time, sometimes we need help to make sense of the Bible. The Bible makes sense of us, but we need to help help to make sense of the Bible. If you found parts of the Bible disturbing or confusing, you are not alone. You are in good company. The more you read it, the more it makes sense. That's my experience. But sometimes we need help. And in this story, in Nehemiah 8, did you hear that the People went out into the crowds to explain what was happening in the scripture to the crowds. They got alongside the people and said, do you understand this? As Ezra was reading it from the front, do you understand this? And we need to get alongside each other and help each other. But also make use of all the resources that there are online, in apps, in all sorts of places now. There are great resources to help us to understand the Bible better. So the Bible is a watering hole that gives us new life. It's a story, it's a meta-narrative that we can use to help make sense of our own lives. And then the Bible also helps to cultivate community. The last few weeks have seen a bit of a change in the atmosphere, haven't they? There's a bit more of a division and contention in the way that we're following all of the restrictions. We're in times when divisions are getting more obvious, even though we realise that we need each other to get through this. For the last 30 years, I've been part of small groups that have been called home groups and then house groups and then small groups and then cell groups, and now they're called life groups. And that might be a bit confusing, but they've all had at the heart of them a desire to study the Bible. That's what they've really been about. And I can honestly say that those groups have been some of the most important places where I've found community. They've helped me to learn and to grow and to deal with stuff. Because as we gather around God's Word and study God's Word, the Bible can help us to process our emotions In Nehemiah 8, when Ezra had finished reading, all the people were weeping. And Ezra finished reading and Nehemiah steps in and says, don't weep and mourn. This isn't that sort of a day. This is a day to celebrate and give thanks because we are still part of this story. But the people of Israel have been through a lot. They coped with a lot of stuff. And the words of the Bible had taken the lid off of all of those emotions. And aren't we in a similar place where lots of people have suffered lots of losses and gone through lots of pain and we need to be able to show them that the Bible has words to help them to process their emotions. Those emotions are still there and our Bible can help us to get through them. The words of comfort in the Psalms, the words of lament that we find in the Bible, the promises of Jesus, The words of hope that we can find there. And then the Bible helps us to become more generous. As Nehemiah 8 continues, there's this part where the people don't just celebrate for themselves, but they send food and wine to those who haven't got enough for themselves. They respond by putting the scriptures into practice, by sharing what they had with the poor and those in need. One thing the pandemic has taught us is to be aware of our neighbour's pain, to show kindness and support and concern for each other. After a period of disruption, that's what God's people experienced as they got into a new depth of community, as they gathered around God's word. And as Nehemiah famously puts it, He says to the people, the joy of the Lord is your strength. We're going to need strength to get through these next few months, aren't we? We don't know what Christmas is going to look like. We don't know how we're going to celebrate New Year, let alone fireworks and all the things in between. We're going to need strength. Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Healing and renewal will come as we gather round God's word. And finally, in J.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, there's a conversation very near the end between Frodo the Hobbit and Gandalf, the very wise wizard. And Frodo says, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. And Gandalf replies... So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All you have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to you. We may not choose these times to be in, but we can make the most of them if we keep God's word at the centre of all that we do, if we trust in God If the joy of the Lord is our strength, then we can find that strength to move forward no matter what happens, no matter what we face. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may we be as your people, those who trust and believe in your word. And may your word soothe our thirsty souls And feed our hungry hearts. In Jesus name. Amen.